We did it, folks. We got him. We got Mr. Backup. W. Curtis Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Backup, has been in the backup and recovery space since 1993. He's written four books. He hosts a podcast called Restore It All. He founded BackupCentral.com, and he's a tech evangelist for SaaS data protection company Druva. So, of course, we talked disaster recovery, the role of a good backup in, in ransomware situations, and why the data recovery person and the information security person in your company need to become fast friends and start sharing notes. Also, why we've always been completely wrong about tape backup systems. That's all today on CyberWork. Welcome to this week's episode of the CyberWork with InfoSec podcast. Each week, we talk with a different industry thought leader about cybersecurity trends, the way those trends affect the work of InfoSec professionals, and offer tips for breaking in or moving up the ladder in the cybersecurity industry. W. Curtis Preston, aka Mr. Backup, has specialized in designing data protection systems since 1993 and has designed such systems for some of the largest organizations in the world. His lively prose and wry real-world approach has made him a popular author and speaker. He's written four O'Reilly books, the latest of which is Modern Data Protection, published in 2021. He is also the host of BackupCentral.com and the Restore It All podcast. Uh, he is now the chief technical evangelist for Druva, the only at-scale uh, software-as-a-service provider of data protection. So guess what we're talking about today, folks? I'm backup. We're talking recovery. We're talking Mr. Backup. Uh, Curtis, thanks for joining me today. Welcome to CyberWork. Anytime I can talk about my favorite topic, I'm I'm there. Phenomenal. Uh, let's uh, let us get into it. So uh, your story goes way back. You uh, you've been working in uh, data protection since '93. Where did you first get interested in uh, computers and tech, and what what first got you excited about this? Especially considering that it was sort of at the the sort of start of the whole thing. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember like the very first thing, but I remember I was actually active duty in the Navy at the time. Mm, okay. And I remember I actually took, and this will, for those that go this far back, I actually took a an NRI course, National Radio Institute. They used to advertise oh, yeah. at the back of Popular Science Magazine. Mm -hmm. And I took this, this correspondence course in computers while at sea wow. in the Navy. Yeah. And so, you know, they would send you books, right? Mm -hmm, you had mm -hmm. these like books and you would go through these books and then, uh, and then you actually built a computer when you were done. Oh, wow. And I, re I remember that it was, that it was an 8088 just mm -hmm. prior to the 286s coming out. And the 286s came out while I was, um, while I was taking the course. And I was like, do I get one of the new computers? And they were like, no. No, <laughs> yeah. you learn that you, yeah. you got to dance with the one that brung you there. Yeah. 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 Um, so uh, my, you know, obviously we, we just mentioned that you've been in the backup and recovery space since 1993. Can you talk about some of the ways that uh, the pro the practice, whether technology or protocols or techniques have changed in the intervening 30 years? I mean, I'm guessing cloud's a major sea yeah. change, but is there a fundamental difference in our understanding of the place and purpose of backup and recovery? I'm going to say that is a giant yes, right? Okay. Um, yeah. So first off, just so for 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 sort of scale of understanding, right? For a frame of reference, mm -hmm. the data, the entire data center. So I worked. I was at a credit card company. I was at a thirty-five billion dollar company. Mm. Our entire data center would fit inside my iPhone from a space perspective, yes. right? It was it was a three hundred gigabyte data center mm -hmm. and the uh and and back then it was just standalone tape drives yeah we were using uh native tools it was a unix based world so we were using native tools and the at that world the the world of uh commercial backup and recovery grew and it 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 went through this massive peak where what actually happened was the tape drives actually got too fast hmm. for the job. It, it's, it's, you know, I don't have time to go into it, but, but a lot of people think that tape drives were slow and that's why we moved off of them. It was actually the opposite. Tape drives got too fast for the average backup. And it, literally they were 20, 30 at this point, a hundred times faster than the average backup. Hmm. And so there was this, this move towards disk as the primary target for backup and recovery with tape at that point being um, 
just a salt mine copy, right? We're going to send it to Iron Mountain just in case a disaster happens. Right. Got it. And, and, and then, you know, we slowly migrate to more and more disk. And then yes, the, the cloud has changed data protection in both the sense of how it's done and, and why that happened. So it's not just that the cloud, you know, came to be and that it made possible a number of things like Druva, the company that I work for is a cloud-based company. It's a, mm-hmm. without the cloud, Druva would not exist. Right. But it's also the fact that there are so many um, ways, you know, the, the easy thing to say is that the data center is no longer the center of data. So the, the, the data center is no longer the thing that we back up. It might be one of the things that we back up. Right. But it's you have the data center, you have your IAS vendor like an AWS or an Azure, mm-hmm. or and you have a bunch of SaaS providers, and you have something that didn't exist when I was in the industry, and that's this little thing called laptops and mobile devices. Right. We, mm-hmm. we, we didn't have those back then. Right. Yeah. And so so yes. So it's a giant yes that both in terms of what we back up and from where we back that data up, mm-hmm. as well as how we back it up. At this point, backup and recovery, data protection, disaster recovery is um, if we set aside archive and long-term storage is almost an entirely disk-based um, mm-hmm. practice, okay. right? Mm-hmm. There, there are very few people that are still doing their, their backups from, you know, to and from directly tape. Okay. Um, it also sounds like those are almost different job, uh, not, not quite job titles, but you're talking about like, uh, is the data protection that you're using for uh, just to make sure that, you know, you have a, a, a record of this thing, is that different from the data that you're duplicating in case of like disasters and things like that? Or because it, it sounds, no, I that's... mean, I might be misreading it. No, that's a great question. Mm -hmm. Historically, and again, this is another uh, giant sea change. Historically, if you had the need for what I would call real, uh, you know, as I make quotes in the air, if you needed Mm -hmm. real DR back in the day, you were doing replication, Mm -hmm. right? You you were replicating any uh, mission critical systems and and, uh, file systems and databases to a hot site somewhere that you could fail over to in times of disaster. Mm-hmm. And um, that, that but that was really only the high end of the market. So your, your trading firms, you know, things like that, 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 that could put a million dollar price tag on downtime. Right. So, yes. you know, they knew that they knew that every minute of downtime cost them a million dollars. And so it was easy to spend $10 million on a replication system. Oh, yeah. The rest of the world was doing tape back in the day, tape in a box and hope you never use it. <laughs> the yeah. world has um, has gone to the point where, in general, the bulk of the industry does not accept tape in a box as a DR strategy. For, for for anyone. Mm-hmm. And the technology, again, due to the cloud, the technology has advanced to the point where you have products like Druva that can do both backup and recovery and disaster recovery w- while moving only a single copy of the data. And then mm-hmm. just accomplishing those two purposes um, w- with the same copy. I imagine there's also a, a, a speed of recovery issue in terms of like the emergency copy as well. As you say, if every minute is, is losing you a million dollars, I mean, I, you know, I have, uh, you know, a, a backup system on my computer at home. But, you know, if you lost all that that data, you know, they offer to, you know, you pay them $40 and they'll send you a disk with all your stuff rather than wait for it right. to slowly right. go back out over the Ethernet. So um, how is the sort of technology of, of the recovery speed uh, changed uh, maybe with cloud or with that? Yeah, great question. The, the big thing that is possible today that wasn't possible before is cloud-based recovery. Mm-hmm. So if you truly have a mission critical system or a, a bunch of systems and you want to recover them in as quickly as possible, you you back in the day, as I mentioned, you would replicate to a hot site. You would mm-hmm. pay money for a data center that was sitting there doing absolutely nothing 
just in case you ever needed it, yes. right? Mm -hmm. That was what you did back then. Now yeah. what you do is you contract with a cloud provider and a company that is able to basically, you 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 do a one-time setup up front. You say, these are the VMs, right? Virtual machines. These are the VMs that I want included in this DR. And these are the parameters that I want. So from terms of, um, you know, I don't know if your listeners are familiar with RTO and RPO, recovery time objective, the, okay. the amount of time that a restore is allowed to take, uh, and then recovery point objective, the amount of data that we agree that we can lose. So you decide those things up front and you, you configure the system to support that. Mm -hmm. And then what a, a modern system, again, because of the cloud, what a modern system can do is actually pre-restore a copy of your data and, and keep that copy up to date Okay. Uh, to, yep. to your most current backup so that when you go to do a DR, all you're really doing is spinning up the VMs. You might be doing a little bit of massaging of the data, but you're not actually doing a restore. I, I can think all the way back to the, um, you know, the, the early days of backup when backup was still tape and replication. Right. Uh, replication for DR. I can remember companies, really big companies that were saying, <laughs> if you're if you're reaching for your tape at the time of DR, you're already dead. And, yeah. and it's that's still the case. If you're still reaching for your backup, your regular mm -hmm. old backup, and you're going to restore your entire environment after a disaster or a ransomware attack happens, you're already dead, right? And yeah. you you find yourself being put in a situation of needing to or, or considering gee would it be better to pay the ransom which is a horrible horrible situation to be placed in for sure now uh is do you think there's still a benefit to having a tape backup a physical thing in your hand that if if all other fail safes fail that it, you still have it or is it just going away it's i i think for most people it has gone away mm -hmm. what does need to happen is we need to get the things that tape provides. And, and the big concept here is this thing that we use the term air gap, right? Mm -hmm. So when, when, when a disaster happens, and again, it really doesn't matter whether this is a, a, a man-made disaster like a ransomware attack or a cyber, mm -hmm. other cyber attack or a flood or a hurricane or whatever, mm -hmm. you need to have a copy of the data some other place that is electronically inaccessible yep. from the thing that you're protecting. Mm -hmm. So that protects both from fires, floods, earthquakes, and tornadoes, uh, and also from a cyber attack. So yep. when I look at the, what kills me, again, as a person who's spent my entire career helping people protect their data, when I read articles about ransomware attacks and I read the phrase, and the backup was also encrypted, I just, I bow my head <laughs> Yeah, because yeah, yeah. how, how did you not create an air gap? How did you have yeah. your backup sitting right next to, at least electronically speaking, sitting right next to the thing it's being protect that it's protecting. Mm -hmm. and, and like some people would think, for example, by moving your backup server into the cloud. So if you pick your favorite cloud vendor and you load your, pick your favorite backup software vendor in the cloud, well, that's air gapped, right? No, the whole point of that is that you, if that server is running as a typical backup software vendor, electronically, it's right next to your server. Mm -hmm. So if your server is compromised, that server could be compromised. So it's, it's you, you need a true, uh, you need a system where there isn't a route from A to B, for, no matter how good the hacker is. Yeah. And so, it, yeah. yeah. And if, let me just to go back to your question. Sure. If you have that, Right. And if you've and, and the other thing that tape was really great at was um, cost. Right. So if you have that and you do that in a way that isn't astronomically expensive, then you've provided the benefits of tape with cloud and disk. Uh, and, and I don't feel the need to to have a, a tape copy. The, the, the other thing is making a tape copy is difficult, expensive. Et cetera, et cetera. It's, you know, it yeah. adds additional complexity and risk to the system. And, you know, I'd rather you spend that money elsewhere. 
Yeah. Okay. So, um, I mean, that leads nicely into my next question. Uh, you know, you've written four books on the subject. You host a podcast about it. You founded BackupCentral.com and you're the tech evangelist for Druva. Um, so, and you've talked about the, the number one here, but can you tell me some of the main mistakes you see again and again with the way companies handle their long-term data backup? So I guess I would love to start with air gapping. I mean, you, you said that if, a, if it's backup in the cloud, that's not air gapped. Is there a way of air gapping? your cloud recovery backup? Well, what I specifically said was that if you host your backup oh. server in the cloud, that isn't, ah. that isn't necessarily air gap. I see. The question is how you're storing it in the cloud, right? Mm, so I got it. There, are, there are ways to store data in the cloud. For example, if you have a copy in uh, an immutable storage tier, such as S3, S3 offers in yep. AWS, actually all the major cloud vendors offer an immutable option that when you write your backup to it and you specify, let's say 30 day retention or 60 day retention, nothing, including you as an authorized owner of the account, you're not allowed to delete that uh, data. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's one way. Another way is the, the, the way Druva has approached it, which is you don't, own, manage, touch, ever see the actual infrastructure behind the backup. That is all managed by Druva. It's mm -hmm. a different account. It's a different um, process, right? There, there, there's no ongoing uh, backup server that's running to be hacked, right? It, it's, it's just an entirely different process. The data is stored in an account that it, it, our backups are actually stored in S3. And our S3 is configured so that only our backup process is allowed to write to that account. So mm. even if even if a hacker, for example, got through every level of security and somehow was was able to get authenticated S3, they wouldn't be able to uh, delete your backups, right? Mm -hmm. So this is um, and, and also of course the, the data needs to be encrypted, encrypted in flight, encrypted at rest. Yep. Um, so yeah, so there are ways, really good ways to protect your, your data in the cloud. Uh, it's just that you, you just need to think about the things like a ransomware attack and make sure that you're protecting against them. I, I would add right next to a ransomware attack is because right now all focuses on ransomware. Of course, Every yeah. data protection vendor is saying, oh, well, our backups are this or our backups are, our, our backups are immutable. And so therefore it's not subject to a ransomware attack. I would say two things. One is not every company that says their backups are immutable are actually being honest about that. Okay. And number two, um, the other is um, ransomware is not the only problem. There are still just, yes. just bad, you know, bad actors that might even work for your company. Mm -hmm. And you need to look at, for example, the ability of a backup administrator to log in and, or someone pretending to be the backup administrator mm -hmm. to log in and just delete your backups via the backup system interface. Right. And um, th that's why you're, you're gonna see more and more backup products that are adding actual immutability where, even if you are a super user, you're not allowed to delete the backups. Hmm. Okay. Now, are there, are there any other sort of um, things that make you want to pull your hair out that you see people do all the time? Or are those the, those are the main, the main issues with recovering? Well, well, I mean, it, it depends on which, um, which part of the industry we're talking about. So if, if it's mm -hmm. an on-prem system, there is a there's a litany of, of challenges that a person has to do when they're designing. It's it's and what I generally saw back in the day was it mm -hmm. was just this inability to understand how tape works. That, that everybody thought the tape was slow, and so they were designing to fix that problem when that, <laughs> that was, was the, the opposite problem. of the problem. Right, right. And so they would so they would buy more and more tape drives, more and more tape drives. Uh -huh, and I, uh -huh. and I, I can't tell you the number of times where I went into a customer and I said, "Look, the problem is you have too many tape drives." And they're like, "What?" <laughs> and we would redesign their system. They would actually yeah. use fewer tape drives and get better performance. Hmm. We don't really have that um, as much these days, I suppose. The biggest challenge that I see with a with a modern computing environment is actually people that there, that there's data sets that people think are protected mm. from a backup and recovery perspective that simply aren't. Mm -hmm. And the, the 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 biggest example of that are SaaS providers like yeah. Microsoft 365, G Suite, Salesforce. Okay. And 
the, the, the vast majority of customers of these products do not back them up. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, um, and, and we have example upon example of proving that if you or some bad actor does something bad to your data in Microsoft 365, G Suite or Salesforce or similar systems, it, it doesn't come back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. The, yeah. stuff that, the stuff that Microsoft has doesn't help. Um, right. Most recently, you know, you know, and I don't mean to pick on Microsoft. The, the the challenge with Microsoft is that they have so many good sort of backup like features. Like they mm-hmm. have they all over the product. They talk about they use words like restore. Yeah. Um, like restore from you know restore deleted emails. Where you're not res- really restoring them. You're just uh, pulling them out of the recycle bin. Right. Yeah. Which means that they were they were still there. They were there. They were just they just had a flag on them. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it's so good at sort of mimicking backup that a lot of people think they don't need it. Gotcha. But a perfect example is um, there was uh, the, the best example recently was sometime last year, KPMG, someone at their um, site needed to do something. Uh, they, they needed to delete one user's private chats and they were using something called Microsoft uh, retention policies which once you set them, you say, you know, all users, all users chats are kept for, let's say, 90 days. So now if you want to delete Fred's chats because he did something horrible, mm-hmm. um, you can't because you said the policy was 90 days. It enforces that. Mm-hmm. So the only way to do that is to create another policy that says one day move Fred into that and then his stuff will be deleted. Right. That's what they went to do. And unfortunately, they did the opposite of what they intended to do. They moved the entire company into the new policy uh. and deleted all private chats across the entire company. I think it was like 150,000 oh. employees, Jeez. like in in a in a heartbeat. And then you know you go Microsoft. Microsoft's like, mm-hmm. it yeah. It, the product that's, that's the deleted. product worked as designed. <laughs> Right. right. You told us to delete everything. We mm-hmm. deleted everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Was that was that a misunderstanding of the of the rule that they had created? They just like created it was just a human error. Human error. Yeah. yeah. OK. Um, that Well, they meant they meant to move Steve into the new thing mm-hmm. instead of moving Steve into the new thing. They moved everybody into the new. Right. Thing right. Left so Steve yeah. in the old. It was thing. like yeah. like getting greater than and less than backwards or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. OK. Um, so, yeah, obviously, we you know, uh, we're already well into uh, discussing uh, uh, backups and, you know, human errors and bad installations and stuff. But, you know, obviously, since this is uh, about cybersecurity, we want to talk about, you know, let's talk ransomware and so forth. But right. um, I, I want to talk about um, uh, the limits, if any, of disaster recovery in cases where a network has been compromised, taken over lockdown or duplicated or stolen. So, I mean, is it realistic to say we just won't pay the ransom? We've got everything backed up. Is that, yeah, I mean, uh, you, we talked about that a little bit so far that um, yeah. you might think you have everything backed up, but there's there's more layers to it than that. What What, what mm-hmm. are some of the... What are some of the sticky situations around ransomware backup? Yeah, so uh, there there are, a few, and so so it's not as simple as just saying we have a backup or we have a disaster recovery copy. So boom, we don't have to pay the, the ransomware. Mm-hmm. I, I would say you you need a ransomware plan. So yeah. uh, the the difference between a DR plan and a ransomware plan is that the ransomware attack is ongoing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that even even once the attack has happened and you've been sent the ransom, the attack is still present. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, with the disaster, typically a fire happens or a flood happens. So you come back and you just do you what rebuild. you need to do yeah. Yeah. with with the ransomware uh, attack. You need to um, um, you need to do things that you wouldn't normally need to do in a restore. In a regular DR, mm-hmm. and the big thing is you need to uh, determine the extent of the infection, mm-hmm. and and you need to determine it in terms of both its its breadth, in terms of how many systems have, and 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 I'm going to differentiate between infected and encrypted. Okay. Right. So mm-hmm. an, an, an infected system is just it's got the malware on it. It may yep. or may not have been been deployed. It could be there for uh, and then, a long time without doing anything. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The dwell time, the median dwell time is something like 60 days. Yeah. Uh, which is which is and the average is actually much higher. Yeah. Anyway, the um, 
you, you need to figure out which systems have been infected and also which systems have been encrypted. And that process alone can be daunting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we, we had a, a really great guest. It was actually sort of ironically, ironically is the right word, but interestingly enough, it was uh, Spectrologic, uh, the the company, which is actually a tape backup company. They make oh, tape okay, yeah. libraries. Mm-hmm. They got attacked by ransomware, and wow. they, you know, they believe in eating their own dog food, so they have a tape based uh, <laughs> DR system. Sure. And um, but their their challenge was not the actual restore. Their challenge was the um, figuring out what was infected. And as I yeah. recall, he said it took them about two weeks. Wow. Uh, to, to do just that process because it, it's sort of like rip out all the wires, don't let anything talk to anything. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then just figure out who's infecting. You got to be very surgical because all it takes mm-hmm. is one system. Yep. Right. Yep. So there's that issue uh, that you have to do that before you begin your DR. And the other, the other is we need to figure out how far back that, you know, what's the dwell time. When did we get this ransomware? Because the two things, one is I can't just restore, let's say the, 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 let's say we we have a simple ransomware attack where it's Wednesday and Tuesday night, they encrypted all my stuff, Mm -hmm. right? That's a simple ransomware attack. I restore to, to Monday Mm -hmm. and, and everything's beautiful. And I just need to find out where the, where the, the actual ransomware malware was and delete that easy peasy. That's early days. What we have now are much more sophisticated attacks. Mm-hmm. And they tend to do things like sit there in your environment and silently encrypting stuff nobody's looking at. Uh-huh. And um, so if you have that situation, it, it's going to hurt mm-hmm. <laughs> the restore of that. Yeah. So generally, this is this is a file server we're talking about or someone's. Okay laptop. This isn't yes. a database. You encrypt anything on a database server and the thing's going to crash and everybody's going to know. Yep. But a, a big file server in your company or mm-hmm. laptop, they start encrypting slowly the files that over time that no one's looking at. And then and then at some point they get a collision with they encrypt a file that somebody is looking at. And that's when they go crazy and they start encrypting everything. And then, you know, um, that is a real challenge. Um, and I, I know that Druva, for example, specifically created a response to that challenge. Mm-hmm. We actually, I call it sort of a merge of, of archive and backup. And by that, I mean, okay. a typical arch- a typical backup or typical restore, mm-hmm. you, you say, I want to restore this system to last Thursday at noon. Mm-hmm. Boom. That's a restore. And yep. archive is, I'd like all of the files from Fred through his email system for the last three years. That's an archive, right? Got it. Uh, that's a re- that's a retrieval is what we say in the, the archive space. So what we did was we sort of combined the two and we said, all right, figure out when you got infected and then specify, let's restore to the day before you got infected and then restore up to the current point in time <clears throat> and restore the last known good version of every file. Mm-hmm. And we figured out how to do that for file servers. Most backup products have not been able to figure out how to do that. Um, and so with us, it's <clears throat> it's just a simple, you know, it's a matter of clicking a few extra buttons during the restore and then just letting the product take the time to do that. Hmm. Uh, if, if you have a regular backup and recovery tool, you have two choices. Restore to, you know, today and just know that you're restoring a bunch of encrypted stuff and then yeah. just hope you could get rid of the malware, um, and then and then maybe do some onesie twosie restores along the way, uh, or you restore to the day before you got the infection, and now you've got hundreds, maybe thousands, maybe tens of thousands of files that you have to figure out where they got encrypted, the last known version. It's a nightmare. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. So that that is um, you know th- there's that the 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 third issue is some of the more recent attacks are about exfiltration more than they are about encryption. Okay. And I'll just be blunt if what your attacker has done is has exfiltrated unencrypted 
sensitive data. Yep. There is nothing that the greatest, you know, design your greatest dream backup product. Mm-hmm. It can't help because yeah. they're just going to take your company secrets or your sensitive data or your yep. customer sensitive data and just post it all over the internet. You've got a very different business discussion. Now, yeah. And I want to come back to that. I want to come back to that yeah. in a minute. Uh, Cause that's much more of a cybersecurity discussion. Yeah. But the other is, they're also specifically targeting the backups. Now we're going to come back to the thing we mentioned earlier mm-hmm. about, you know, I can't talk about backups for very long without mentioning the three, two, one rule, right? Three okay. copies of the data on two different media, one of which is somewhere else. That's that air gapped copy that we talked about. There you go. Yep. If you're, if your only copy of your data is on a backup server in your environment, especially if that backup server is based on windows, because that's at this point, the primary attack vector, it's not mm-hmm. the only they're attacking Linux. They're attacking uh, VMware, just just to a lesser degree. Okay. If it's if it's if you're a Windows-based data center and you get a Windows-based backup server, and your only copy of your data is there and maybe on a replicated version that's also electronically accessible, what they're doing now is they're going in and they're actually exfiltrating your backup data, and then storing that offsite and then deleting your backups, and then then coming to you and 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 then hitting you with ransomware. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, we got all your stuff. We've yeah. already taken all your backups out. Yeah. Go check your backups. Uh, you yeah. know, <laughs> go check your backups. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the only way to, to, to stop that is to make sure you have an air gap copy. Mm-hmm. Um, now, just real quick. And again, this really isn't my space, but sure. my opinion is that you need to be doing two things. You need to look at some kind of DNI system where you you have managed DNS. And one of the things that it should be looking for is the lookups for command and control servers. Mm-hmm. They're, they're obvious to see if you know what you're looking for, right? Mm-hmm. If your product is designed for this. Um, so look for that. And then if you see that, you know, just, uh, you know, stop it <laughs> right away. Immediately. Yeah. Um, immediately, right? Automatic. It should be automatic, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and then the second is you really should be using some sort of machine learning or AI to watch for exfiltration, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, 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 did you ever watch the TV show Alias? No. Nope. Okay. Recap. I was a, I was a big fan back in the day. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was it was a big spy show, and, okay. and uh, you know, and it 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 starred Jennifer Garner, and that might have been one of the reasons I watched it. But anyway, it was yeah. it was a good spy show. <laughs> sure. And there there was this one scene where the IT guy, uh, Marshall Flankman, was his name. The IT guy comes running in, and he's like, "They're downloading all the files off the server," and he starts just flipping power switches to turn the power off all the servers. Right. And the thing was. That was, shoot, that was 15 years ago. And he was monitoring his outgoing data feeds. Yep. And yep. he saw a, a pattern that was unlike what he was used to. Mm-hmm. Today, we can do that with software. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. If, if, you're not, if you're not using a DNI to watch for uh, command and control servers, and if you're not using uh, some sort of ML AI to watch for exfiltration, I, I think you're falling down on the job at this point, because if that happens, there's literally nothing anybody can do to help you. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that answered my next question. I was going to ask about double extortion and you, you basically laid it out there. So, so rather than, and also, it, I mean, you know, it's a TV show, but it's not wrong to like, if you see it happening to like turn everything off. Right. Is that. Yeah. It's actually, not wrong at all. It's you know? a, it's a, it is kind of as simple as that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, go, go in there with it. Go in there with a sawzall on the uh, cables in the back of the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll deal with this later. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so that's uh, yeah, that's that's really great advice. I, yeah, because I was going to say there's, uh, yeah. So okay, so your your primary um, recommendation is to have something that's monitoring whether data is leaving in in incorrect ways. Is there, is there exactly. any way? Exactly. Is there is there any other sort of like um encryption option where you know they try to exfiltrate the data but they get it and it's just a that, you know that's a that's a great question we mm-hmm. we discussed this uh also on uh the restored all podcast we mm-hmm. had a host who by the way is a very tape uh is a big tape advocate tape oriented uh, okay. by the way yeah. I, I yeah i'm i'm actually um i'm probably the most pro tape person at a no tape company okay but <laughs> but i just I, 
tape has a place for me. It's, it's really safe, long-term storage. Yep. I just don't recommend it and haven't for at least 10 years for day-to-day operational backup and recovery and disaster right, recovery. Right, right, right. Exactly. But, but, um, but, you know, my good friend, Brian would, would, would say that, you know, he wants, he would, that question you asked earlier, he wants a copy on tape. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and again, it, it's not wrong. It's just uh, it's just a cost money and time and effort and all that stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. So you, you you were asking, darn it, I lost the thread. What, what, oh, what I, was I was just question? wondering if there was any kind of um, in terms of of exfiltrating your data and then and then ransoming you for it. If oh, there was a, right. like an encryption, yeah. any kind of encryption options out there. The, there are basically the only alternative that you have there is is really strong item level, user level encryption, meaning Mm -hmm. that, because most of the encryption of data at rest, for example, the application sees the data unencrypted, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, Backup systems uh, see the data unencrypted as they're backing it up. They encrypt it in transit, usually using SSL. And then they encrypt it, you know, they unencrypt it on the other end, and then they re-encrypt it using something like AES-256. Um, but in the in the on-prem world, in, in the in the I don't know what what would we call it the, the live data, right? Mm-hmm. That data, if if you're using uh, on-disk encryption, like it's very common these days to turn backup or encryption on full disk encryption. Mm-hmm. But you turn on your laptop, you see the data unencrypted, right? The, the problem when we start talking about primary data and we start talking about personal information, things that are subject to GDPR and CCPA and things like that, is that if the application can, if one application with one user ID can see all of the data unencrypted, then that means it can be hacked via that attack vector, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what this one person was recommending is for that most sensitive of data to use item level or row level uh, encryption in such a way that only, so let's say it's, it's personal data that it's got my personal data. Only if I am authenticated to the database with my user ID is my data unencrypted for me. Right. Yes. Okay. Right. Right. Um, That is, again, I can't argue with that. Uh, but it is definitely an extreme measure, mm. and I, I would say you would. And, and, and I, would I would also cost say prohibitive and access well, prohibitive. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure there's there's software that will do this for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's one of these things where you know is the cure worse than the disease? <laughs> yes, right. Sure. Yeah, and then and then the other thing is for everything that you do that for, you will on the backup side undo every advancement that we've done in the last 20 years. Why do <laughs> right, I say that? Right. Yeah. Because all of the cool stuff that we do with backup, all the, like it's based on this concept called deduplication, where I look at the data, I chunk it all up, I run some cryptographic hash or hashes, and I figure out what data is new and unique. Yep. And then I use that to significantly reduce the amount of traffic I need to, yep. you know, to Back replicate it, it right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, the problem is when you turn on encryption, dedupe looks for patterns, encryption gets rid of them. Mm-hmm, <laughs> so, mm-hmm. okay. so yeah. yeah. So that's yeah, what that's, I meant. So that's a little if, much. If you then, feel, yeah. yeah. If you feel that you need that, then use it on your most sensitive of data. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then just realize that backing that data up is going to be a real challenge, at least using modern tools to which, to which my friend Brian said, well, you know, we're just going to put it on tape. And I said, <laughs> Okay. All right. All right. right. Yeah, yeah. So that's a little. I, I like, can't argue with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. can walk. You can walk around all day in a suit of armor, and you're not going to get punched. But it's not. It's not much of a life if you're <laughs> got exactly. extra two hundred pounds exactly. on you. <laughs> um, so exactly. um, let, let's sort of uh, move over from the the uh, the logistics of, of of storage recovery into the sort of work and career. Uh, perspectives. This is a you know, cyber work podcast, so let's talk the work of it. So, um, what job? What are jobs like for people wanting to get into uh, backup and recovery as a career? If a listener was hearing us talk and is excited about all these different options and all these different ways to improve their their backup systems in their workplace, uh, what what types of hard and soft skills should they be uh, attempting to sharpen to make themselves a good candidate? 
Well, first off, I would say, you know, welcome to a really, really small club. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is one, one thing that has been consistent in my entire career is that nobody wants this job. Really? Right. Um, okay. it, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a real challenge actually historically. So again, back in the day versus now back in the day, it was really hard to get someone to be the backup person. Right. Hmm. The reason I got my first job in it was because a guy by the name of Ron Rodriguez, Ron Rodriguez wanted to get done at the job. He said, mm. I don't want to do this anymore. Yep. And, he, and, he, and he was like, who's the new guy? Oh, Curtis. Yeah. Curtis, you, you're the backup guy now. <laughs> Mr. Right? You're Mr. Backup now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, um, and honestly, I only ended up initially making this a career because through a series of happenstances that I did not control, I just never got out of it. Right. Yeah. And and suddenly I realized that I knew so much about something that. Yeah. That once you get good at something, about. you're like, I might as well keep going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And um, the so, so back then it was it was a real challenge and it but it was a good way to get a job in I.T. Yeah. Today, um, I would actually advise a person against making this like their career. OK. Right. For a lot of reasons, um, I would I would much more advise them to be focused in cybersecurity, mm-hmm. right? Um, because <laughs> that's never going away, yes. right? Right. Uh, storage management and cybersecurity and network management; these things are never going away. Mm-hmm. Backup and recovery, data protection, disaster recovery as a specialty is becoming smaller and smaller. Okay. And one of the reasons for that is backup. If you use modern tools, yeah, right? Um, you, you look at, so, so, I, I, so I, I wasn't in, the, I didn't grow up in the, in the vendor space. I grew up in the, in the end user and consulting space. Sure. I, I came to Druva just a little over four years ago. And um, I remember making the joke that I, that I came there and, and I came there to do what I'm doing now, which is being an evangelist for the, for the company. But I remember making a joke of like, all of the skills and stuff that I had built over the last 20 something years, um, they were all worthless because none of them apply to our customers. All of this stuff about how to design a backup system, how to decide how much throughput you need and what type of tape drives, what type of disk drives, what kind of deduplication, all that stuff for our customers, <clears throat> they don't have to do that. They just have to tell us how much stuff they have Yep, and, you know, and buy the right license. And like, we do all that backend hard work. Got it. And I think that, I think that as the world is sassifying, mm-hmm. right. If I can, if I can make up a verb. Absolutely. Um, as the, as we sassify more and more of the, the, um, the, the IT world. And as we cloudify more and more of the IT world, the skills that make a good backup and recovery person become actually much less needed. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I would I would actually advise someone against it. I would what I would say is look at uh, it, but if you are in it, right? If you are deep in the backup and recovery world, I would say make friends with your information security professional. Got it. And learn the things that can make that that can that can damage your backups and apply those and then just sort of slowly increase your skill set on that side of the world so okay i hope it doesn't sound like i'm sucking up to your audience but no. <laughs> uh, you know that, please do <laughs> that is that is what that works I, out know, well for us y'all, y'all hear it yeah, here I'm, first man yeah. security is the way I, of the I'm future just saying, yeah yeah i'm just saying it's not it's not pandering it, it yeah there will there will be more attacks there will be more sophisticated yep. just in the last four or five years the, the the degree to which ransomware has become much more sophisticated uh you know the exfiltration thing simply wasn't a problem back in the day right yep. and now yep. it is and it's it's just it's just only going to get worse so uh, conversely to that if if uh, listeners are in the cybersecurity space is there a benefit to them learning in the on the other side of the fence getting some some knowledge about backup and recovery and so forth yes um i i, I do think and mm-hmm. because because of the problem that i mentioned before and and i you know i make it i say it as a joke but it, it's true and that is nobody mm-hmm. wants this job right nobody yeah. wants to be the backup person right because of that you have 
a continuous revolving door in the data center, if you still have one, Mm -hmm. of the person who's responsible for backups, Mm -hmm. which means that that person is quite possibly a junior person and quite possibly knows nothing about data protection. Yeah. I'm sorry, about, about uh, data security. Data security, yeah. And mm-hmm. um, so, again, I'll, I'll give the same advice to the information security professional. Befriend the person whose job it is. First off, they probably need a friend because they're <laughs> yeah, new to the right. company. Right. <laughs> Bef- yeah, befriend the, the person whose job it is to do backup and recovery data protection. Help them, you know, without being a, a threat, per mm-hmm. se, Help them understand the risks that that you know that their data is under. Right. Mm-hmm. Help them understand why. If they don't know what the three two one rule is, Google it. Have them read it. If they don't yeah. know what a bad actor is, if they don't know what an insider threat is, yes. If they don't know what you know exfiltration and encryption and all of these things, if they don't know what those things are, help them understand what those things are, so that they know what's at risk in their backup and recovery system. Um, because quite possibly they don't know any of those things and they're doing yep. really, really dumb things, um, you know, from a, from a information security perspective. Well, I mean, we're always going to, uh, talk, talk up in favor of uh, cross-departmental collaboration anyway. So that's a, that's, that's a great advice right there. I mean, you always have something Absolutely. to learn from someone who's doing something near to you. So, um, you know, you've, you've pretty much said that storage and recovery and, and long-term backup and stuff is starting to, uh, phase out. Can you talk about what you think it'll look like in five to 10 years? Is there a, do you see a terminus point at some point where this is, you know, people talk about this, like they talk about, you know, Fortran or something like that. I, I <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a lot of Fortran. There's a lot of, you, well, yeah. We found that out yeah. last year. Yeah. We got a whole lot of people called back into active service here for <laughs> exactly some very old languages. The, I think that there, there's a, there's a, a personality, uh, at Storagezilla is his Twitter name. His name's Mark Toomey. And he he makes a quote of saying that, you know, there, there's going to be a nuclear holocaust. And, and after the nuclear holocaust, you'll find a guy selling mainframes and tape drives. Right. Yeah, right. That, that they're going to be around a, a, an awfully long time. I do think that the world of cloud-based data protection, if you, if you, there will be more and more um, things like Kubernetes and containers. Yep. If you're not familiar with Kubernetes and container, it really, it does to VMs what VMs did to physical systems. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it really, really, it. so VMs broke backup. If you didn't know that, when VMs came out, it broke backup literally overnight for anybody mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. who put who started it's like this is great we can have one system behave like 20 systems meanwhile you had a backup system that thought it was still running on 20 systems mm-hmm. um the, the, uh containers uh break backups from a if they were based on a, a vmware or a physical system perspective the good news is that containers and uh kubernetes and things like that will uh, they actually it allows a, an environment to define what they consider an application. Too many times over the last you know decade or so, we thought of as a database as an application, a web server as an application, and it never really was. An application was a collection of things that do a bunch of things that accomplish a common goal. Right? Mm-hmm. Kubernetes allows you to do that allows you to define what an application is, which means that your data protection system, I think over time will morph. I know that, you know, Druva has worked on this where, you know, when we look at Kubernetes support, we're able to protect an application and all of the things that comprise that application. And I think you'll see that more and more. The other thing is that literally, you know, uh, the world is moving to cloud. Um, The whole world won't. There, there will still be people and environments where it's more appropriate to be in the uh, data center. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but the bulk, I think the bulk of workloads will be in the cloud. And the way you do data protection in the cloud is extremely different than the way you do it in the data center. Mm-hmm. And there are there are a whole lot of backup products 
that were based in the data center, that were built for the data center. Mm -hmm. And uh, even in the last five or six years, there were backup products that were built for the data center. And, uh, you know, I can think of some of our competitors that built products to solve those problems that we had in the data center. Okay. But those those products are now data center backup solutions Mm. for what has increasingly become a cloud-based workload. And so I, I would say that, I think you'll see more and more companies like Druva that you know uh, will be doing cloud-based protection for cloud-based workloads, right? And and it'll I I think it already has become a lot easier. I think that backup and recovery, um, data protection, disaster recovery, and all of those um, will become much easier. I, I do just want to comment on one thing. You said it twice in the podcast. I'm just going to throw out this thing. Long-term backup. Yeah. So, so uh, this sets off a, a, a you know, a, a bad place in my brain. Okay. So long, long-term means archive. Yep. Okay. So one of those things are like three, two, one, right? Mm-hmm. Backup and archive are two, just like backup and DR, two different things. Backup and archive are two different things. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking about really long-term storage, most backup products are really bad at long-term uh, storage. Hmm. So, it, it, because uh, just really quick, if you if you store a backup of your your laptop for let's say fifteen years, mm-hmm. fifteen years from now, if you needed something from that laptop, you're going to need to remember what that laptop was called fifteen years ago. Yeah. Right. And since and since um, it it's since we're talking corporations, that is. Um, uh, you're going to need to remember the name of the employee and the laptop and the name of the server. And you're going to have to have access to the application that was running 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. That's if you have backup. That's rough, if yeah. you're doing true long-term storage, then you should be you should be using an archive system, which is designed to hold data for really long periods of time. Mm-hmm. Um, that world is also changing as well. Okay. Um, it's but and it is a world where tape still reigns supreme because yeah. of its yeah. it's tape is actually really good at holding on to data for really long periods of time and it's also ridiculously cheap so yeah, that's you why it, you need to tell me I got a whole basement full of cassette tapes. <laughs> Some of which I've had <laughs> exactly. since I was a teenager. Exactly. Um, all right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're getting closer now we're here and I don't, I don't want to keep you all day. Although this has been completely fascinating. So as we wrap up, uh, do you want to talk a little bit about the restore it all podcast? Um, what, what are some topics you cover? And if a person wanted to dip their toe in, do you have a particular episode that you recommend as a good introduction? Um, you know, that, that, so, so what do we cover? We cover backup and recovery. We also do talk about cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. We talk about archive, long-term storage. We talk about disaster recovery. Uh, we talk about barbecue. Um, <laughs> a couple of the episodes we talk about barbecue. <laughs> and oddly enough, for for a technology podcast, we actually covered uh, COVID quite a bit. We mm-hmm. it, when 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 COVID hit, we we just <laughs> felt it was you know weird to just keep on talking about technology. So we actually had a an expert on to to talk about that. Uh, from a, um, you know, favorite, ep- you know, I, I should have, I should have prepped, I should have a favorite episode. I'm going to say my favorite that there's, I'll, I'll answer two episodes. My favorite episode of the year was, uh, it, it'll say that I forgot the actual title, but it, it says, um, the, the person, the admin deletes his entire environment and then tests his backups it's a fascinating (laughs) story Mm -hmm. of a guy he's he's the head of it for the um the island of darn it um it's in alaska okay like the large it's the largest island in north america it's Mm -hmm. like it's escaping me anyway okay he deleted everything he had a reason why he did it but he deleted it and then he went to test his backups uh, it, it has a happy ending, but you know, it, it took a while crazy. to get there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the best get we had this year was, uh, we actually had on the guy who coined the term three, two, one rule. Oh, so his, nice. his name's, uh, Phil, Phil Krogh. He's a digital photographer. And, uh, since I, the, the three, two, one rule comes up in almost every episode, the, um, 
uh, there, you know, have talking to the guy who coined the term was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, I would say in the beginning of last year, we had three or four episodes where we talked about an event where everything went wrong. So there was this thing called the OVH fire. So OVH is the largest cloud provider headquartered in Europe, right? And uh, they lost a ridiculous amount of servers and they, and including uh, apparently including data for companies where the company had paid for backup. And there, there's now, they're now just literally a few weeks ago, I saw that they're beginning a class action lawsuit against OVH. Mm-hmm. Those episodes are great because we dig into the sort of the details of what, wow. what was happening. And you learn things like um, how to, um, you know, h- how to sort of investigate what your company is doing for you when, when they claim to be, right? Um, yep. So, Yeah. All right. So as we wrap up today, uh, Curtis, tell our listeners about Druva, what services you provide and what products or projects you're excited about in the new year. Absolutely. So uh, Druva does uh, data protection, data resiliency and DR for um, most of the modern workloads, right? So data center, cloud workloads, uh, SaaS workloads, laptops, mobile devices, uh, including Kubernetes uh, Mm -hmm. uh, containers. And um, we do that as a SaaS service, which means that you don't have to install any uh, italics underline, any infrastructure, uh, either install it in a cloud or in your data center. You just basically, you know, you put it in agent and uh, you authenticate us to the appropriate place. You authenticate us to your SaaS provider, to your uh, IAS provider. And then we just do all the magic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you you pay one bill, you pay, it's per gigabyte per month and, and it's a deduplicated gigabyte. So, we, you know, we do global dedupe across your entire environment. Okay. You pay one bill per month of, you know, and it, you obviously pay in advance and we credit your account. The beautiful thing is you never pay for something that you don't use. So if you, mm. if you over provision, you have money left over at the end of the year, we just roll that into the next year. Or if it's laptops and mobile devices it, or SaaS services, typically that's a per seat license because that's the way that world likes to be charged. And we do a DR in the cloud. So as I mentioned, mm-hmm. we can restore your entire VMware environment uh, in 15 to 20 minutes with uh, your RTO. We can meet a 15 to 20 minute RPO or RTO with a one hour RPO. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but literally you push a single button uh, and then everything comes up because we've already restored your data in the cloud. And then I, I did mention about the um, this enhanced ransomware recovery service that we have mm-hmm. that, uh, again, if you, you know, it, it's an extra cost option, but if you do that, you can literally press, I think it's like three buttons, mm-hmm. tell us the beginning, tell us the end and tell us to go and we'll restore wow. the data, you know, the, the, mo- the latest unencrypted version of every file. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, what am I excited? I, I, I honestly, I, I got, I got some stuff that I can't talk about. Sure. <laughs> there's yeah. Some, yeah. Yeah. There's some features and, and they're cybersecurity uh, based. Uh, I mm-hmm. hinted at them, right. If you, if you, if you listen to me talk closely, I hinted <laughs> at some of the features that. Listen to, listen that, to this a second time for the clues. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we want to, we want to make sure that, um, you know, we already have the data air gap. We already have mm-hmm. this concept of a recycle bin, which most, most backup products don't. So if a customer comes in and they accidentally delete their backups or a rogue admin accidentally delete their backups, we can actually get them back for you, you know, for a user definable period of time, right? Mm-hmm. We want to take that, you know, the next step. So I don't want to say much more than that. Uh, I will also say that um, Druva decided to sponsor my book. It's an independent book. It's an O'Reilly book, you know. If you're, you should be familiar with that that mm-hmm. world, uh, yep. but uh, you, uh, listeners can get a, a free ebook copy of it by going to druva.com/podcast, and um, and there you go. And modern data protection from O'Reilly. Love it. All right. Well, yeah. Then uh, yeah. If you if our listeners want to learn more about Mr. Backup and Druva, so you said druva.com/podcast. Any other links you want to tell us about? Of course, backupcentral.com. You Backup can Central. you yep. can uh, and you can search on the the full name is Backup Central's Restore It All. Uh, mm-hmm. We we even have a th- we even have a theme song which is a parody of Adele's Rolling in the Deep. 
Um, oh. <laughs> you know, you remember that you remember that you could have had it all. Remember in the uh-huh. chorus? You yeah, yeah. Well, so so in in mine, it's you could restore it all. Oh, but you, but you, all right. But you erased it. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, and the the singer Phenomenal. is my daughter, by the way. Oh she's, my gosh, she's okay. She's very good. Yeah. So all right. At, at least listen to the very even if you don't know anything about data recovery, listen to the beginning, listen to the theme song. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, Curtis, thank you so much for joining me today. This was uh, incredibly uh, incredibly informative. It was a blast. All right. And as always, thank you to everyone listening to and supporting CyberWork. New episodes of the CyberWork podcast are available every Monday at 1 p.m. Central, both on video at our YouTube page and on audio wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. I'm excited to announce that our InfoSec skills platform will be releasing a new challenge every month with three hands-on labs to put your cyber skills to the test. Each month, you'll build new skills ranging from secure coding to penetration testing to advanced persistent threats and everything in between. Plus, we're giving away more than $1,000 worth of prizes each month. Just go to InfoSec institute.com slash challenge and get started right now. Thank you so much once again to W. Curtis Preston, Mr. Backup himself, and thank you all for watching and listening. We'll talk to you next week. How about some free cybersecurity training resources for you and your team? Just go to infosecinstitute.com slash free to get ebooks, training guides, and more than 100 cybersecurity training courses, all free for cyber work listeners. Go to infosecinstitute.com slash free and start learning crucial new skills today.